Our psalm reading this evening comes from Psalm 116, verses 1 through 2 and 12 through 19. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord. In your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Our epistle reading comes from the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And finally, our gospel reading comes from the gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 and 31b through 35. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for so I am. 
If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. My family, like many families, loves to tell stories. When my sister and I were little, any time the extended family was together, she, we would hear our mom and her siblings tell the same stories over and over again. They were stories of things that happened long before we or any of our cousins were even born. But they were stories that we learned by heart. We could tell you about how our uncle made our mom step on caterpillars in her bare feet when she was a little kid. We could tell you about the time mom polished her shoes at the top of the wooden staircase just before our aunt walked through and was sent sailing down the stairs when she hit the slick spot. We loved those stories when we were little. They told us so much about who our mom and her siblings were. Now, as we grew, we went through a phase, or at least I did. I won't speak for my sister in this case. There are other times I'm perfectly happy to speak for my sister, whether she's happy for it or not. But in this case, at least I began to think that the story sounded a little hokey and pointless and wondered why we were telling them over and over and over. And then we kept getting older, as most of us tend to do. And these days, when my sister and I are together... We spend a good portion of our time telling stories of things that happened a long time ago, many of them long before our kids were born, and telling those stories of things that our mom and her siblings did long before we were born. We talk about the time my sister covered the bathroom floor with baby oil and nearly sent our mom sliding out a second floor window. Or the time an injured kitten followed our dad home from the church and earned a place in our hearts and our home for the next 18 years. Recently, my own kids have started telling these tales of family times together. They're telling stories they've heard of when Sarah and I were little, and they're starting to develop their own new set of stories from their own swiftly passing childhood. The time Gloria was supposed to be napping and was caught in the bathroom covered in Vaseline and Hello Kitty stickers. (laughs) Or the time that Alex thought she was going to have to dress like a unicorn for kindergarten because she misheard us talking about having to wear a uniform. (laughs) I imagine that someday these stories will be passed down to their children in the same way and so on. 
They're more than just stories, though. They're part of who we are. These stories are not made up. Sometimes they're embellished, but they're not made up. They're retold by those who were there. They are the fibers that make up the tapestry of our lives and our family. It's like in telling them we're weaving this great big wall hanging that says who we are. All of these stories and their tellings are the threads that are woven together to make the big picture. When we tell those stories on holidays and other family gatherings, we're doing more than just telling tales around a campfire to pass the time. We aren't just telling brand new stories nobody's heard before as some sort of contest of imagination or creativity. We're making a statement. We're making a statement about what we are and what we value. The stories that stick around, stick around for a reason. And the ones that fade away just aren't as important to us. When we tell stories about family who are far away or those who have left this part of creation for the next, we can feel them with us in a way. We tell stories about them because those people are an important part of who we are. Our lives are what they are because those people were a part of them. In my family, our stories tend to have a punchline because we value humor and not taking yourself too seriously. They're often told tag team style with people interrupting and taking turns because we value working together and we believe that everyone's voice matters. Sometimes the same story is told a total of five or more times, all from different points of view because of the overlap and the interruption and the weaving in and out, and because we value letting everyone's voice be heard. The way we tell it is just as important as the story itself in saying who we are. It's sort of a family liturgy in a way. It's become part of our ritual when we get together. And it's not just ritual for the sake of ritual. We aren't telling the story that way because we have to or because someone told us to. It's because telling the story that way says something about our family values. We say it that way because that's who we are. It comes out of our sense of family identity and joy of being part of the family. It's how our family says what our family is, both to the world and to ourselves. It's like a family creed in a way. And that's sort of what communion is for us only more. We tell the story of communion time after time, even when we've heard it hundreds of times before. It's not just a story from imagination, but it's a family experience that has been passed down through the generations. This is more than just remembering, as in let's not forget that this thing happened. It's more dynamic. It's more participatory than that. It is what we call a sacrament in our tradition, which is just a big fancy word for an outward sign and seal of grace that changed us on the inside, too. And in this telling, which we call the sacrament of communion, we proclaim to the world, look, we were lost and broken and afraid, but God reached down and brought us out of slavery to sin and death and into the light of Jesus and in that proclamation, we are changed again, moved more, stirred up by grace, lifted up to God in a way that we can't be 
by simple storytelling. We have a way we tell this sacrament story that varies a little from church to church and even from season to season, but it's pretty consistent. We tell it in a way that shows our family values, welcoming everyone to our table, thanking God, asking for the Holy Spirit's intervention in all that we do, and speaking Christ's words of forgiveness, sacrifice, grace, and covenant. We have certain physical things that we always use, the bread, the cup, as visual, touchable remembrances. We have certain words that are always there. Do this in remembrance. This is my body, the new covenant. We're doing much more here, and indeed any time we celebrate the Lord's Supper than just retelling a good story. And we're doing even more than what we're doing when we retell a story in an earthly family, that family liturgy creed story. Unlike our absent loved ones in our families of origin, who we simply feel in a philosophical way, Jesus is actually present with us in this place. In this remembrance, we are nourished by the grace of Jesus himself so that we might become more Christ-like, so that we might, at the end of our worship time together, go out into the world to serve God and one another. Communion is what defines us, as a family. It's what spurs us to reach out to those who have not yet heard this liturgical creed story, this grace sealing proclamation, or to those who've heard it told but have let it fade into the background as just another old story. This story has immense and never diminishing value for us here who have heard it and known it and been a part of the retelling, the remembrance. But it's also got value for those who don't have that advantage of hearing it and for those who haven't yet discovered the fullness of it or are perhaps in a stage of life similar to my teenaged eye-rolling at my mom's old stories that turned out to be so much more than stories. All are invited to this telling of the story, to this sacrament. God invites all to allow themselves to be lifted up by grace all are welcomed into the family gathering of creed and liturgy, remembrance and narrative. All are welcomed to this table. So we gather this evening to join in this exciting and this holy moment, this telling of the story that is so much more than a simple telling of this story.
trampled, betrays himself into his victim's will. The Lamb of God for sacrifice preparing, sin brings about the cure for sin's own ill. This night Christ institutes his holy supper, blessed food and drink for heart and soul and mind. This night injustice joins its hand to treasons and buys the ransom price of humankind. This night the shall be arrested. He who destroys our slavery to sin, accused of crime to criminals be given, that judgment on the righteous judge begin. Oh, make us sharers, Savior of your that we may share your glory that shall be. Let us pass through these three dark nights of sorrow to east us laughter and its liberty. This is the night, dear friends, the night for we Where 